Welcome to this special entrepreneur edition of Talk Commerce. If you haven't already signed up for the hashtag free joke project, go to talkcommerce.com and sign up today. Entrepreneurs are aiming at a hundred different things at once. They're scrambling to accomplish and grow their objectives, but they're facing a lot of headwinds. And those headwinds come in the forms of things like, how do we prioritize what matters most? How do we think about using data to manage our business, not just gut feel? How do we think about the right people and the right seats and make sure what they have is the right process to get those people working effectively and that they're an excellent match to your culture? What is culture? How do we think about our long-range vision versus what do we need to do this week, alone this quarter? And how do we think about our financials versus strategic objectives? All those things come together in the EOS model. Matt Beecher, an EOS implementer, breaks this down and helps us understand how having a system, any system, will help your business. Remember to listen for the free joke at the end of the episode. Today's episode of Talk Commerce is brought to you in partnership with Entrepreneurs Organization. As a business owner, wouldn't you love to have a place to talk about your business in a setting where no one will judge you? EO is a peer group where entrepreneurs can talk to other entrepreneurs about topics that most people don't understand or don't want to or don't care. At EO, no one will should on you. Go to eonetwork.org forward slash join today. Have you been enjoying your free jokes on these podcasts? Well, let me just tell you that the jokes aren't free. They take time and effort to come up with them. Please go to wherever you download your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, and rate and review this episode. It will help so much to increase the awareness of talk commerce. Again, wherever you download your podcast, please rate and review it. Thank you. My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. Welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce. This is our entrepreneurial corner. Today I have Matt Beecher, and he is an EOS implementer here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Warm and sunny, Minneapolis. Matt, introduce yourself. Tell us what you do on a day-to-day basis and one of your passions in life. Thank you. Yeah, great. I'm grateful to be here. Warm and sunny only for a few months. So day to day as an EOS implementer, I work to be a teacher, facilitator and coach of the entrepreneurial operating system or EOS. And so I work with small to mid-sized businesses and help their owners, founders and leadership teams get strong in their businesses. They get clear on their vision, their disciplined achievement and strategic execution. And we work a lot on their teams to make them healthier. So day-to-day basis, I'm with leadership teams in a session room, spending our time thinking through those three or four elements of getting their business better. Can you go into a little bit more depth of what EOS is and maybe why people should be looking at it in terms of getting their business organized? Yeah, sure thing. So um, EOS is this complete system of tools and principles and practical models that help provide structure and strength to entrepreneurial businesses. 
So in most cases, what I find with people I most am able to help is that their businesses have grown. They've become successful almost in spite of themselves. People are aiming at a hundred different things at once. They're scrambling to accomplish and grow their objectives, but they're facing a lot of headwinds and those headwinds come in the forms of like, how do we prioritize what matters most to us? How do we think about using data to manage our business, not just gut feel? How do we think about the right people and the right seats and making sure that we have the right processes to get those people working effectively and that they're a good match to our culture? What is our culture? How do we think about what our long range vision is versus what we need to do this week, let alone this quarter? And how do we think about financials versus strategic objectives? All those things come together in the EOS model where we help people get strong, leadership teams get strong in what we call six key components. Believing that there's 136 issues that come at business leaders at any one time. And if we can compartmentalize those and know six areas that we can get strong in, we can be much more successful at getting what we want out of our business and frankly, what we want out of life. So those six areas, one is vision, one is people that I mentioned earlier, one is data and how do we manage metrics? One is our processes. Are we doing the work that we do in the right best way every time? Or is it reinvented wheels everywhere we turn and scrambling to figure out the 15th way we could do this process? Do we solve problems and issues as well as take advantage of opportunities? And then the last one is, are we executing and have a regular cadence? So that's the wide, the longer elevator pitch. If you're on a longer elevator ride of why EOS is out there and what it helps business leaders and business leadership teams to accomplish. Yeah, in our green room, we did talk about, should we do back and forth? Because uh, full transparency, our business did EOS, I think we implemented five or six years ago. And it, to coin a phrase, it was a game changer for us. It set us up to be able to sell our company. It put all that structure in place. I want to highlight a few things that helped us. Number one, I think the L10 meeting, the level 10 meeting has been one of the biggest things that was at first very cumbersome and a lot of people uh, didn't like it, but after everybody started doing it and now that we've integrated two companies into one, people appreciate it. Can, tell us about the Level 10 meeting. Yeah, sure thing. The name of it is unique, so I'm going to start with the name. It's called the Level 10 meeting because most meetings we go to in our lives have been pretty poorly managed and they're not viewed by people as being on a scale of one to 10, a 10. And we believe that meetings can be much more effective and should be, must be. And so we, at the end of every level 10 meeting, we have all the participants rank the meeting on a scale of one to 10. And if it's not a 10, we are attentive to how do we get this to be a 10, not to pat ourselves on our backs, but to say, we wanna be sure this is a really good use of our time as a leadership team. So the L10 meeting happens every week. We prescribe it for 90 minutes. Some people think, oh man, 90 minutes with my leadership team. I've never taken that kind of deliberate time before. Some people take more. It's the right amount of time. Essentially in that meeting, we spend about 25 minutes just scanning the dashboard and horizon of what's going on in the business, the most important things. So in those first 25 minutes, we spend very brief moments checking in on the health of our employees and customers, our two most important constituencies, the health and experience and personal situations as we break ice together of the people in the meeting. We look at a dashboard of the most important metrics for the business. 
We look at our priorities for that quarter. We review a to-do list that's our assignment as that leadership team from the last week we met until today, and we hold each other accountable. In that first 25 minutes, we don't dive into problems or get into the weeds of issues. We just review them and we populate a list of what we call issues that then we spend 60 minutes really getting out and solving using a really dedicated method of problem solving that we call IDS. Do we identify the root cause of the issue? Can we discuss it and then move to solutions? And how do we assign action out of those issues to get people moving things along? So then after those 60 minutes, we do a brief conclude where we make sure everybody's clear on the next steps and assignments that we're cascading the messages of what we decided in that meeting to the rest of the organization and the 90 minutes passes. Most people say that if they fought the discipline at first, they fight for it later. It is what we call the heartbeat of EOS. It's a meeting pulse that happens every single week, keeping our teams connected on what matters most to the business. And most people report that it's fantastic. In fact, I've got a couple of clients and friends who use the L10 format in other settings, in associations they're part of, in community groups, in churches. They're like, this is the way that teams and people who meet to accomplish good work should run. So that's a that's the summary. Yeah, and I will I will echo that thought. I am on a number of different boards now, and in our board meetings, I always point back to EOS to say, let's have a let's have a schedule for this meeting. Let's have an agenda. Let's start on time, end on time. One one more point that I want to say about L10 meetings is you do start on time. If it starts at 10 a.m., you start at 10 a.m. You don't wait 15 minutes for everybody to join. And then at the end, you finish because I think what we've discovered is that you may have a meeting scheduled in the next hour. And who? it's just as bad for that next meeting to be late. And maybe that meeting is with the client. And that client is now waiting for you to show up yeah. for the meeting. That start on time, end on time is such a great aspect of it that helps you keep things organized and then say, hey, we're going to have the same meeting next week. Let's push this issue to the next week if we can. And that end on time says, hey, we're not going to ramble on for the next five hours on some random topic. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I'm going to point out one more thing, but then I would like you to come up and tell us the key highlights of EOS and what are the things that entrepreneurs should look at. My other top item is the scorecard. Everybody has a number and it should be at least one thing that we can measure their success by. And some people think the scorecard is micromanaging or I don't know, people have different aspects or different thoughts about it. I feel as for, if I have a scorecard, it's how I'm showing success in my own work and how I can objectively tell others that I am achieving the goals that we've set out in this in this week, in this quarter, and in this year. How did I do on that? Awesome. Awesome. You're hired. Let's get you <laughs> implementing EOS. Yeah, we data is everywhere. We've got big data, small data. We've got data everywhere in our lives. And it's a Goldilocks moment to say, are we using it too much or too little or just right? Most entrepreneurial teams, frankly, if they're not in an industry driven by data, aren't using data that's available to them. Data is unbiased, it's not unkind, it's not generous, it's just data, it's just how it is. It helps you manage your business objectively. 
And if we can help teams find metrics, so you mentioned everybody has a number. That is one absolute breakthrough kind of principle is let's get everybody a metric so they know how they're doing. Instead of people in their jobs feeling like, I don't know what matters most and how I'm being measured, let's measure that. If you're a receptionist and and, and welcoming customers into an organization, let's measure you on how effectively you resolve issues coming to your desk and phone the first contact. There's a metric to almost anything. So let's use that data. Let's build scorecards. That's the other component we talk about when we talk about the scorecard is not just a measure for everybody, but teams throughout the organization should have scorecards that are filled with just a few handful of leading indicator numbers that help them know, am I on track or off track? giving me a green light or red light on things that might disrupt the business or cause a reduction to my profits or a dip in my sales. Let's watch for those as best we can and then address those in that level 10 meeting every week. So we are, we love data when it's used well, and there's powerful ways to watch it used well using some of these structures. Yes. All right. So if I want a front row seat for EOS, if I'm a new entrepreneur and again, this is not an info commercial. I don't want to make this. Yeah. This is. I'm excited about this topic, and I think every entrepreneur needs to at least explore the idea of having some system. So, if I were an entrepreneur and I wanted to see the biggest areas of impact that I, the top areas of impact that I can see from a business from implementing EOS, what would that be? I think it's a great question. Let me just share an experience that I had just yesterday. And I think that will illustrate the answer better than me just talking out of the book Traction. The book Traction is a handbook that paints the picture of EOS. And I agree people should have a read of it and just understand what it's like to have a system. And I sometimes say to people, if it's EOS or some other system, I'd rather have you have a system than nothing. So yesterday in this meeting, I was with a leadership team and they are in retail and it, I've only met that with them for 60 days. So they've only started their EOS journey, but it's been intense. When we start meeting with people, we meet with them every month for the first three months to get them onboarded. And then we push them into this quarterly cadence where then we only see them every quarter, but they're doing these weekly level 10 meetings. So after meeting with them just for 60 days, I went around the room as we did a check-in for our conversation. And we just asked the question, what's working or not? And I think their experience really was the thing that answers this question you asked, which is, they said, for the first time, we've got deadlines and due dates that are forcing us to get things accomplished that we know we want to do, but there's been no structure. There's been no accountability. There's been no sense of systemization to getting the things that we want done. So things just get pushed and people are not accountable. So there's that. There's clarity on who does what. The very first tool that an implementer works on with a team when we start engaging with them is the accountability chart. It's an organizational chart, but it's beautiful because it doesn't have names and titles only. It has areas in the business of work that show where work should live and where the accountability for that work should exist in the organization with people's name there so we know to whom we go with issues, needs, problems, successes in those areas. So clarity on who owns what is just something that I didn't imagine was so needed that really is needed. And then this idea about where are you going long-term? Who are you really? Who do you want to be? 
Who is your target customer? Who's your ideal client? Are you investing your limited marketing and, re and sales dollars to the people who you know matter most? Or are you spraying those investments everywhere and praying that they stick? This establishment of vision, this idea of what do I want to become and who are we is transformational. And it felt to me a little fluffy when I heard somebody say this term, but I'm going to say it really loud and clear. I think it abolishes this idea of having this vision. It abolishes uncertainty and it abolishes fear where so many entrepreneurial teams who've got success, they're like, I don't know exactly what to do and who to be and where to focus and how to get everybody on the same page. And that makes me feel restless and sleepless. This solves that. It accomplishes that clarity of vision as well as the executing plan to get there. It's not a silver bullet, but I have just seen it transform teams to provide structure and systemization that gives them the ability to then get it done, not just worry about what is it that we're doing and when will it be done. And it's been fantastic in that regard. So Brent, one more thing I'll say is I don't feel like I ever have to sell EOS. Maybe my exuberance for it sounds like a sales pitch on this kind of experience we're having right now, but it's really not. It's It sells itself. If people need it, they know it, and it works if people will invest the time and effort to do it. I want to dive into or sure. unpack a couple of things you talked about in there. The accountability chart, I think, is something that a lot of business owners overlook or they don't or don't feel are important. And I remember working with a business owner about 15 years ago and I asked, who is the boss of this? And he said, nobody's really the boss. I'm the boss. And I think at the time he had about 80 employees. So in that terms, like how, like if there's only one person who's accountable for 80 people, it's really difficult to manage the entire organization. If you were to dive down even maybe a little more, more smaller, if he, if they had an accountability chart and they said, I have two people that I want responsible for this. How how would that work? Could there be two people that are accountable for the exact same thing? Or does that just mean nobody's accountable? For yeah, that? Brent, you nailed it. So when we build the accountability chart, so for the guy with 80 people and he's the boss, man, if he can manage 80 people and keep them productive and happy and engaged, good for him. It's I think it's impossible. And moreover, even if he does it well, what does it mean he's not able to do? Because he's just watching other people. So it frees up, especially it frees up what we call entrepreneurial visionaries to do the things that will fuel the business growth into the future instead of having them trapped in the management seat of just making sure everybody's on time and running the trains in the right directions. So your question is, when we build those accountability charts, your question is, could two people be accountable for the same thing? We always say no. One person could be accountable for more than one thing in the organization. They can have more than one accountability and responsibility. They might not have a capacity to manage that. That's a different question. But exactly like you said, we use that exact language. When two people are accountable for sales, no one's accountable for sales. And some people balk at that and they say, I, but I've got this, I want it to be team led and I want it to be self-driven. And we say, great, that's fine. But have one person to whom people report and are accountable because when that when something goes wrong, I need one person to say, even if I don't do all the work and I'm just partnering with someone else, I'll be on point to take accountability for it. So no, two people can't have the same accountability in a pure accountability chart. One, one more thing then that we talked about is the scorecard. And you mentioned the leading indicators. I think a lot of people tend to put lagging indicators on there. Does yeah. it matter? And why does it matter for one or the other? Oh yeah. So 
it's data pretty well. And I know that you even started with this question about the scorecard. I think you probably understand data so much better than most that data can really drive you to see things you can't otherwise see if it's leading. If it's lagging, it can also, so you can see something that's happening and it's happened in the past and then you can see it, but now you don't have any time to react. You don't have time to get ahead of it. It's already happened, but better to see lagging than nothing. So that's good. But I liken it to the fact that when we build scorecards for companies, sometimes we help them. We do an exercise where we say, if you were isolated from every form of in communication or internet or any other way to know your business, but you got some numbers every week that you knew you could trust to run your business, what would those numbers be? And inevitably someone, almost everyone will say revenue. And I say, great, I want to see what sales are doing too. So we should have that on the scorecard. If you think it's important, I'm fine for that to be on the scorecard, but revenue is a lagging indicator, right? Revenue has already been now booked and I can see the sales. If you're worried about revenue, what kinds of leading indicators are driving your revenue before the books are closed or the sales are booked and recorded? And so then we talk a lot, for example, revenue drivers are the number of prospects that I've been able to see this week or the number of deals in the pipeline or those numbers I can do something about. If it dips, I'm able to get after it and get that number higher before I'm then short on revenue that's now lagging. That's just a simple example. And we want to build the scorecard with a dashboard of metrics that is powerfully guiding me to make decisions and take action. So I don't just want, so I liken it to this. I say on your car, you have a dashboard that you're watching while driving. And there's a variety of pieces of information that you care about there that guide how you're acting as a driver. And there's some you don't care about that you're never looking at. And some people laugh and say, yeah, speed. I never care about the speed. I'm going to go as fast as I wish. Fine. But your gas gauge, you've got to act on that. If that turns red, you got to do something about that. And that's a leading indicator to being stranded with no gas. So we want to build a dashboard of leading indicators and it's not easy to do, but once you get trying it and you try a few indicators, you realize this one doesn't work. Then you put new ones. Dashboards evolve over weeks and weeks. And if you'll focus on it, you'll find yourself with a very helpful set of leading indicators to drive the business. I want to give you a leading question okay? because I think a lot of entrepreneurs would look at this and they'd say, oh, there's six areas, but how do we, how on earth do we start in these six areas? There are a number of tools in the EOS toolbox that you as an implementer would work with a business owner to help them to work through all of these different things that we're talking about. Maybe talk about it. And I think that even as an, as a, you either, if you self implemented or you've gone in with an implementer and maybe you've dropped off early, which I think we dropped off after two years, we didn't get to all those toolbox items. Tell us a little bit about, I'm just going to say you make it easy. <laughs> I don't want to say you make it easy, but you make it where you can see the end of the tunnel. Yes. And so the question is, how do we think about those tools? And let's talk about a couple of them. Let me dive in. And then if I can get more specific or answer that question better, come follow back up with me. So Gino Wickman, the author of Traction, he really, he was a pioneer in thinking about systemizing business outcomes. And there's been a variety of people who've done it, but he was one of the first who really codified and put together the system. And he was a really young entrepreneur who inherited a family business and he had a knack and a passion for the ability to see that business turn and be successful over a period of time managing. And he was part of a community, EO Detroit, of entrepreneurs where he was able to see other businesses. 
And over time, he cobbled together proven, time-tested, well-loved and well-used tools that help him. So I just say that to say these are not like innovative, new-to-the-world breakthrough tools. In many cases, they're tools that you may have heard about or used. But EOS's genius was the way they come together and help you reinforce and solidify all those moving pieces together. The other thing I'll say, the reason I brought up Gino's name to begin with was he was super generous, abundance-minded, meaning he believed that let's give this to the world. It's going to help people. I tell people it's the cure for business cancer. It really is. It helps like crazy. And so there's a ton of stuff out there that you can just digest and use on your own. When I owned a business, I owned a business in elderly healthcare and we were growing and scrambling and successful and failing all at the same time. It was a run. And a good friend of mine mailed me the book Traction, which I had read years before, but it was new eyes that I read it with this time because I needed it. And I just jumped in and started using some of these tools. And EOSWorldwide.com and Traction, we put these tools out to the world and say, use them. You don't have to use somebody like me to get access to them. So there's a lot of them out there. We have five foundational tools that we start with and they turn into what we hope you'll use forever and ever. We teach them in a specific order that we've learned through a proven process works and helps organizations get it and implement it in a cohesive, collective, collaborative way really well. So the first tool that we talk about all the time is the accountability chart. We talk about rocks, which are 90 day priorities that we help you set and think through carefully. And you can do it on your own if you're going to do it on your own. We talk about the L10 meeting. So this regular weekly meeting, we've talked about that today together. We talk about the scorecard which we've talked about together. And then we talk about the last tool in that five foundational tools, which is the vision traction organizer. It's the VTO. It just organizes all that vision and traction and long range, short range into a simple two page plan. That's re-updated every quarter, every year, every regular cadence. And those tools, they work self-implementation. Like I was a self-implementer. I just did it. I just started putting those tools into play they brought me immediate results. To get all the value in the whole system, we tell people as implementers, work with me for 18 to 24 months. We won't make you sign a contract ever, but we want you to make a mental commitment to really do this. And Brent, when you say you did it for two years, in two years, we hope we can teach you the majority of everything you need to know to run it on your own. And then we want to breed independence. We want you to not need me. I don't need to dig myself into your business. You can do this on your own. I'm here to help you make sure it's pure and answer questions from the many hundreds of implementation issues I've seen, but it's the tools are usable individually as well. So I don't know if that got after the question you answered or not. I'm happy to follow up, but that's my no, first that's run. Fanta that's fantastic. I think you explained it well there. So traction, I want to say that traction, I have it on as a physical book. I have the Kindle book and I have the audio book. Wow. It is a book that you read, and I would encourage everybody to read the book with a notepad. The first time I had it as an audio book, and I was listening to it on the plane, and I'm like, oh, geez, I need to have, I need to take some notes here. And the physical book is a great opportunity to yep. actually take notes in your book. But the Kindle book also allows you to bring it along and take notes on your eye, whatever. It's a, just a great way. It's a, I think it's a great tool, and there's so much in there. The, what you're doing as an implementer is, I think, the way people would then execute on that. And we talked about the VTO, the Vision Traction Organizer. That last part of execution is where a lot of business owners 
fail and they don't fail in the first month or even the first quarter, but they fail after a year. I can share my experience that after time you start making EOS your own, which I think is a good way to do it. But sometimes you lose some of that discipline that a third party as yourself would come in and hold you accountable. Or I think is a better way to say, start asking questions about why aren't you doing this or what about this? Or in, in entrepreneur organization, we always have a better way. We don't should on people, right? We don't, you should do this or you shouldn't do that. We would start, I feel like you can, you can ask pointed questions that are just questions about accountability to what your goal is. And if you look at the end result, how are you going to get there? Speak to self-implementation versus having an implementer do it for you sure. in that accountability piece. Yeah, sure. Self-implementation is better than no implementation. The principles are true principles. They're, they'll be here. They've been here for years and years. They'll be here for centuries more. They work. So if you implement them, they'll work. Professional implementation, using an implementer like me or someone like me to implement simply means we've done this before many times. We have a proven process. Across the world, there's 450 of me right now. There's 450 implementers out in the world today, which has grown enormously since I started four years ago. I was a I was an EOS customer for years before that. So I've been associated with EOS for a long time. I like it a little bit too. Self-implementation is a little bit like doing surgery on yourself. Maybe not major surgery, but if I've got a pretty big gash on my arm and I have to stitch it up, I probably could manage it. It's painful. And it's not going to be pretty and it might get infected, but I can get it done. And we say that like you can self-implement, but a surgeon who's known how to done that surgery over and keep the infection out and make sure that it's beautiful when it's finished. That's what an implementer does. They just say, Hey, we know this is how this runs. We know where the pitfalls are. Just again, in a client session that I had earlier this week, I worked with a team who's done EOS for more than a year and a half. And in the middle of one of the conversations we had, they just said, oh, we're having a really struggle to really think about what makes our marketing strategy powerful. Let's revisit that. And we looked at that as an area and they haven't stayed true to the things we taught when they started putting together the market strategy. And so it's just my chance to say, here's the questions I want you to ask yourselves and let's get clear here. And where I see people make mistakes is here and here. And what do you think? And the answers are inside of the collective leadership team's heads. They know how to figure it out. They just need me to say, hey, here's some areas that I think are weak that could be stronger. And let's pull those answers out of your heads and out of your experience. So using an implementer can get you there a lot faster, cleaner, more beautifully, and more successfully in many cases than self-implementation. But some people are just not ready for a full implementation or they can't afford it. And I've been there and I understand it. So I, I tell people who are self-implementing all the time, one of the core values of EOS is help first. I'm willing to look at anybody's self-implementation and just honest to goodness, help them say, here's some areas I see and can, let me look at this rock and how do you think about this VTO and let me help you make it better. And if you eventually are like, hey, I wanna use you, Matt, great. I'm not here to sell you, I'm here to help you. And if they're gonna go on their journey self-implementing, I hope I've made them better. So I hope that helps answer that question. Yeah, and I think at, for yourself, there is this 90 minute introduction meeting that as right. EOS implementers do that kind of gives you that broader look at what it means to do it 
and the value you get out of it. Tell us in a minute or so, tell us about the night. Yeah, that's right. Anybody who expresses interest in EOS and says, I want to know more, what's the next step? And we always say the 90 minute meeting is the beginning of the EOS process. There's no cost or obligation. Any implementer in the world, if they're following the EOS purely, will say, I'll give you a 90 minute meeting. We want your full leadership team there because we're going to ask a variety of questions of the business and I think more than half the value of that meeting is the owner, founder, leader, hearing their peers answer questions that I or other implementers are going to ask in that meeting, having them answer it honestly and openly and seeing not only what the answers are, but how different the answers are from one another. Because you might not have a vision on paper yet, but there's a vision in your business, but it might be 50 different versions in people's heads. So let's hear some of those things and get them on the paper and kind of say, What's the truth? Let's figure this out. Let's get people on the same page. So in that 90 minute meeting, we give a little introduction to EOS. You don't have to have read traction. We explain what it is and many of those concepts I've shared during our conversation today. Then we move to a conversation where we ask about the business. We ask these key questions. What we're doing is we're wanting to learn more about the business, but we're also wanting to evaluate, is this a fit for EOS? Is your business in a place that it could benefit from the things EOS does? Almost always the answer is yes. And do you have a mindset by which you're going to be able to implement it and have it stick? Is the feeling among the team one that we're looking for? Because we're looking for open-minded, frustrated, appreciative, growth-oriented entrepreneurial teams who want it, who are, who are more more frustrated with keeping things as they are than they are to embrace the difficulties of change. We're evaluating all of that as we ask you about your business in this meeting. And then the big bulk of time we spend is overviewing those six key components I mentioned and giving examples of what does a hundred percent strong look like in each of those components so that people can see where am I against that standard and what would it look like if I implemented and is this something I want? We want to paint that picture really clearly. And then at the end of that 90 minute meeting, we say, if you choose to move forward with me, here's the kind of things I do as an implementer. Here's the experience it's going to be like for 18 to 24 months. And we paint that picture clearly because we don't want you to be uncertain. We are very transparent about how we charge fees, about how we interact, like how much access you get to us. And the short answer to that is like, you get a bunch of access to us. We're unmetered in the way that we want to help. And then we let people make a decision. Many people in that moment know really clearly right then and there. Some people want to talk about it offline, but that's the 90 minute meeting. It's a really good chance to evaluate is EOS a fit and is the person at the head of the table who's talking, the woman or man who's the implementer, are they a good fit? Because you want to find somebody who resonates with the team in that regard as well. That's a really good point on how it has to be a, it almost has to be a personal fit between the two. I think the 90 minute meeting or the, that 90 minute meeting is a great way to introduce people to how to use EOS and is it going to work for them? And I think what you said too about the relationship portion is such an important part of that, uh, that they have a good relationship with it because it, you are going to spend the next potentially eight quarters with that person in yeah. a, hopefully in a room but it could be virtual. Yep. Anyways, we are running out of time. Tell us really quickly, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. Matt Beecher, it's easy to find me there on LinkedIn. EOS Worldwide has a great website, and I have a microsite there where they can find me and a bunch of other implementers, so that's easy to 
easy to figure out, matt.beecher at eosworldwide.com, B-E-C-H-E-R. So that's easy to find. And again, it's not necessarily about me as much as finding the right thing. We're always committed to helping them navigate to the right outcome for where they are. So anybody who's interested, I'm happy to be helpful. And I'll put the notes in our show notes on the episode. Matt, I am trying something new. It's called the Free Joke Project, and (laughs) I am reading a joke. We always give a free joke to everybody before the podcast, but I feel like giving a free joke during the podcast is such a great... It gives value to everybody, right? And jokes, they should be free, but I do have some questions around it. But Okay, so first I'm going to read the joke. If the internet had a boat, where would you park it? In Google Docs. Ah! <laughs> okay, good. Good. Thank you. Well done. I, I have to ask, should, do you think I could charge for that joke? No. Or should that one be... That needs to stay in the free joke, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I wonder in the world of Google changing their names here and there, I'm glad that it, I'm glad Docs still works. <laughs> good. Matt, as we close out the podcast, I give everybody a chance to do a shameless plug. You can plug anything you'd like today. What would you like to plug? Oh, wow. I want to plug 15 things, but let me pick one. So my passion in entrepreneurial life has been in elderly healthcare. And one of the greatest things that I have seen there in terms of the greatest pain points is adult caregiving children who give care to their elderly parents running into a situation where they're overwhelmed and completely lost. And I'm trying to figure out ways to help that problem. So I really, it's a generic plug to say, if you have a parent who's over the age of, I guess I should probably say 65, which is closer to me than I ever thought it would be, but yeah, a parent in the age, in their seventies or eighties or nineties, and you haven't had to manage healthcare issues, you should get ahead of that. So I shameless plug that you should do research to understand what's the landscape of that caregiving going to look like. Because so often people are caught flat-footed and it's super painful. And I would be thrilled to help anybody make contact with resources and help because it's such an unfortunate, fragmented place that we are in with elderly healthcare and there needs to be a better stitched together plan. So that might be out of left field for you, but that's what came to mind as I thought about Shameless Plug is get ahead of your caregiving if you're going to do that. No, thank you for that. And uh, I will say that the 90% of the shameless plugs are about their own business. So I appreciate that you've done a shameless plug about something yeah. completely different. And I think that's, that's just, uh, it, it's a very caring thing to do. And yes, I also have elderly parents and I haven't thought about it. So thank you for that little nudge sure. to get me rolling. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Matt Beecher, thank you so much for being here today and wish you all the best in the EOS world. And I will Again, put all the contact information in our show notes. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode of Talk Commerce. Please rate this episode wherever you download your podcasts. We are actively looking for people to participate in the free joke project. Go to talk-commerce.com and sign up for your free spot on the free joke project. If you are a business... I will do a 30-second elevator pitch in the spot to help promote your business. That's talk-commerce.com.